Real Talk with Grace Redmond features conversations with fierce and fabulous people from Grace's community and circle who inspire others with their stories of overcoming challenges to create amazing. Grace is an entrepreneur and success coach who works with individuals to diminish their negative mental chatter, boost their confidence, achieve their goals, and increase their prosperity mindset. Get ready for a series of Anything Goes Conversations with remarkable men and women that will get you jazzed for life's unlimited possibilities of success, freedom, and fun. Welcome to Real Talk with Grace Redmond. Hey loves, it's Grace Redmond and welcome to Real Talk today. Thank you so much for joining us. I get to have real life, raw conversations with incredible people like Tiffany and Tiffany told us my guest today and I'm super excited to tell you a little bit more about Tiffany before we get started. All right, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready, All Grace, right. thank so, you. Um, so Tiffany is a facilitator and trainer with over 10 years of experience in corporate human resources where she's interviewed, recruited, trained, managed and coached managers on performance issues and professional growth. She also has her master's degree in counseling and in the last 17 years, she's been empowering clients and colleagues in her professional practice. She's worked on joint ventures between mental health organizations and school districts. And Tiffany is passionate about the human aspect of her work, which defines an inclusive, accessible training approach. She understands that what motivates change in behavior. Her proven methods produce positive outcomes and working with a wide range of professionals, levels, and dispositions. Enhancing the performance and confidence of individuals, executives, teams, and organizations. She keeps her approach simple and relatable with a positive personality and good humor, is which I love about you. <laughs> I always make it fun and funny. So wow, thank you, girl. Oh man, thank you. I'm sometimes I'm listening to it, like who's she talking about? <laughs> but I'm so excited because we get to do this in person. I know. You know, fun. on the couch, yeah. conversations on the couch. That's right, keeping it real. Yeah. So I appreciate you know you coming to hang out with me today. Actually, I'm coming to hang out with you. <laughs> I love it. Hang out anytime. anytime. So, I mean, I, I remember when you first started your career in human resources, I actually came to you for some support, you know, when we were just, you know, young girls and I knew that you were, you know, in human resources, I'm like, I needed some direction and I came to you. And then years later, you know, um, I find out that you're going to transition into counseling. So I'd love to find out how, what motivated you to move from human resources into the counseling piece. So interesting. So at the time I had gotten, I was a high, high over, overachiever, real, real young. And I had gotten my second master, no, my first master's degree, I was 21 and working full time, wow, so <clears throat> working full time. And basically what happened, and I was in human resources. I was a HR manager for an airline service company, uh, managing like three, over 3000 employees. Like mm -hmm. it was it was quite, quite an experience. And, and you're so young. I was super young. And at 21, I had to type my, head, my yes. head up my ass. I wish I had my head up my ass. <laughs> I wish it would have been more exciting and more fun. Now I have my head up my ass. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so basically, um, I burnt out and I had, to be honest with you, I had like a nervous breakdown um, and which led me into really questioning what are you doing with your life? Like you are working 70, 80 hour weeks. Mm. Um, 
you're not going out and having fun and doing what other uh, young young adults were doing at your age. And I left the country. I just took off and I went to Spain mm. and I was there for a year. And that's where I started. I was like, oh, this is living. What was that like when you say this is living? Like, what were you doing? I was going to clubs. I was going dancing. Mm. I was going to bars. I was like, just being, just having being, fun. Having, I was traveling. I was like, I don't know, just sitting in a pool doing absolutely nothing. Um, and that was, that was a very good experience for me to awaken within me that there was something outside of work. I come from a culture where it's you, and I came from a family where my father was a workaholic. So I was modeling that if you didn't work hard, you were considered lazy. So the Spain experience brought me back to the United States, old habits die hard. So I went back into human resources uh, and just felt completely unfulfilled. Uh, HR had changed a lot. It wasn't about connecting with employees. It was the uh, matrix and data and, mm -hmm. you know, efficacy and all these things. It's fine. It's, it so it's more course. disconnected than connected. More disconnected. And uh, then you had to watch what you say and watch what you do and everything just kind of shifted. And anyway, long end of it, then I left the country again and I went to Argentina. In Argentina, I just started teaching English as a second language. And in doing so, I found that people would really just talk about their feelings, talk about their life. I don't know if I was the safer person because I was this, you know, as they say, this foreigner from another country. And, and I found that I was able to hold this space. And they talked about me having this capacity to just like be able to help them to feel better. I think that's always been true for me, even as an HR person. So then when I came back from Argentina, um, got back into HR again, working for a startup. <laughs> like you said, old habits die hard, which, it, you know, we know that. It was like letting go of a bad boyfriend. I just kept going back to what I knew. Well, it felt, well that's the thing, what we know. We go back to what we know, what that's feels right. safe. That's right. And then I worked for a startup and this startup experience absolutely destroyed me, destroyed my mind, my, yeah. my body, my being. I was, uh, what about it? Just like, what was going I, on? I was, I was working like in an environment with individuals who just were not in alignment with who I was. They weren't in alignment with my values. They, um, there, there was, uh, there wasn't a mutual respect. Um, the harder I worked, the, the, the less I received. It was like, the more I did, the more I gave, um, uh, the, the less crumbs I received. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about that before, kind of in general. Yes. Oh, I was the queen of crumbs. Girl, you, girl, you gave me, you gave me a little bit. I was like, oh yeah, okay. I'll work even harder. Ditto. Uh, me too. Cause I think we have similar, you know, um, culture, you know, cultural experiences. That's right. Where, um, you just accept the crumbs. Yeah. So, so my, so it's interesting because your original question, how did you get into counseling? Well, uh, interestingly enough, at my worst point in my life was after that startup, I was completely broken, lost. I was like, what am I going to do with my life? During that time, I said, oh, I'm going to teach. I've always wanted to be a teacher ever since I was 10. 
Um, and then my parents were like, oh, teachers. No, it's like one of the most noble professions. You're totally. like, what? It's not business. I used to <laughs> love, like I, I was the oldest of five. So I'd always get my siblings in the room downstairs and I'd want to teach them. Like I want to be a teacher yeah. too. So I love that. Yes, yeah. I was totally like that too. Although I played the principal. I was <laughs> love it. So the leader from the blood from the beginning. I get, I, I guess so. So um, that led me to looking at um, teaching credentials. Even though I had a master's, a master's degree, I had to like redo the teaching. You know, I had to get another bachelor's. It was just like a long process, but I needed to teach classroom experience. And, and what were you teaching at this point? What were you gonna get the credentials to teach? Or could it be anything? Anything, I wanted a general, I wanted to work with adolescents. Mm -hmm. That was like my jam. Like I have a total inner teenager within me and I love- Good, I'm glad you do. <laughs> I'm like, makes my life fun. <laughs> I love working with, with uh, adolescents. So um, ultimately I ended up in a classroom that was a joint mental health um, education classroom um, with the County of San Mateo and the San Mateo Union High School School District. And I was working as a teacher's aide and working with uh, youth um, who, who struggled with either mental health, emotional issues. Mm -hmm. And from there, I was working with two who are still very good friends of mine till today, two therapists and then some teachers. And then the therapists were like, you are so good with the kids. You just naturally know how to help them ground. Mm. You, you give them so much. And, and the things you say to them really resonates and they're drawn to you. Forget about teaching. They were like, you should become a therapist. Mm. Wasn't even on my radar at all. Do you think that was, a, did, did, was that like a light bulb moment when they said that to you, did something go off for uh, you? It, it was sort of like, well, let me look into it. And uh, well, <laughs> the lazy person within me was like, and I don't like to use the word lazy, but the per, the practical, I guess, person within it was like, hmm, teaching credential, it was going to take me like, you know, five or six years by the time all, or I could just, you know, get a counseling degree, a, mas a second master's and be done within three. And then of course the mm -hmm. hours and the licensing. So I'm like, hmm, which road do I want to go down? Let me go the easier Hello, academic through. Yeah, I was like, let me go with the academic, yeah, the academic, um, easier academic route. And it, within my counseling program, I was like, what is this? Like, it was pretty- in like, like in the intensity? It was intense or? and in people that typically work in the field of mental health, like, sorry guys, aren't exactly the most healthy and integrated folks. Interesting, because that's there are plenty of great therapists. Okay, there are plenty of great therapists. There However, are. there are there's a lot that aren't, and so, there's a lot of great coaches and a lot that aren't too. <laughs> so uh, that was my first introduction to the field. Um, got through graduate school, um, and then I was still working as a teacher's aide, and then I was able to get an internship at uh, the juvenile hall uh, mm -hmm. in San Mateo, and then that was. The rest then the rest was my career i just mm -hmm. loved it loved working with the kids um and that was the kind of the journey the trajectory of my career it was sort of multiple dark nights of the soul mm -hmm. multiple going back to what i knew and which led me to a career today that i feel so blessed for so grateful for so fulfilled um 
I cannot articulate the evolutions even within that. Um, and I want to get to that because you just mentioned a few, you know, so many dark nights of the soul. Oh, plenty. So, so tell us a little bit about that, what that looked like and maybe how you got, you know, I know we all go through many dark nights of the soul, but what did that look like for you initially? And how did you move through that? And maybe if you want to explain what a dark night of the soul is, if for some people might not know that term. Well, I can only speak to like, um, my understanding of within the context of my own dark night, it's, it's, a period of time where um, I felt lost. It was a time where I couldn't find joy. I was engaging in uh, behaviors that weren't serving me, whether it was re-engaging with um, partners that were just completely- I know nothing about that. Um, completely just getting it, you know, taking all of whatever I had and just putting into toxic relationships or toxic people. Um, and, and then it, it was like the universe just kept pushing me, like, take a look at this. Why are you take a look, find that love within keep, why do you keep going back to these environments where you, you, you wanted something, you wanted to be seen, you wanted, mm -hmm. and it just, and I, I wasn't getting it. It was sort of like the universe was like, Hey, pay attention. And so the dark night of the soul was where I, I was literally like, who am I? What is my identity? It was a questioning of everything I knew, everything I was taught, everything that I thought I stood for, right? Mm -hmm. um, just just being, it was like um, the feeling and, and then it, there, there were different dark nights. It was either I was totally revved up, work, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Just doing, more and more of the same. And then there was times where I just didn't want to talk to anybody or say anything. It was, um, I just wanted to crawl into a hole and I just did enough to, because uh, I was raising my daughter at the, I was, I just had enough energy for her and raising mm -hmm. her. I can relate to that too. Like you said, it's like <clears throat> the dark night of the soul. It's where for me, it felt like same thing. Like I, I didn't want to get up and I didn't want to move forward but I had young kids and I I had to and I've also had many dark nights of the soul starting from when I was a teenager which I didn't know what it was and then you know sometimes I still have it now I know how to manage it differently yes would you say for me I know my dark nights of the soul pushed me to my spiritual path mm -hmm. would you say that your dark nights of the soul kind of pushed you on the spiritual path because you have you hear that nudge Mm -hmm. And for me, that nudge, now that I look back, I mean, when I was heavy in it, I didn't know what that nudge was. But now when I look back, I feel like that nudge was spirit, God, universe, angels. Um, it was some power greater than me. Oh, absolutely. I have always been connected ever since I was very little. Uh, I just remember nature as always being the, the teacher during moments where I felt very sad, you know, looking up at the sky or going, walking to the ocean um, and looking at the waves and then finding that peace. Um, the dark, yes, absolutely. So to answer your question, um, it, it's every dark night of the soul when I haven't resisted it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, oh, now we got a big word there, resist. <laughs> like, resisted. When, oh now when they come, it's like, okay, don't resist it. You're elevating yes. as a spirit. You're elevating as a, as a person, you're elevating. Yep. And so, um, but before, I, I felt so grateful to the people who 
who came just randomly on my path, introducing me to a book, introducing me to a healer, introducing me to um, a therapist, or um, there were always, you know, what are the, the uh, angels on earth? For sure. Who were there at the right time, guiding me to this next step to kind of take a look. Mm -hmm. um, I totally believe that. I believe each person comes in or what, whatever we need in that moment, we may not realize it at that time, but like you said, an angel comes, you know, it could be a person, it could be a situation, um, an event, but it's there to lead us to the next step. That's right. And I feel like sometimes when we're kind of shut down and not aware, we don't even realize like, wait a second, that's leading me to where I need to go next. Yes. And I think every time I've gone through a dark night of the soul, um, it's taught me to just trust the universe and trust the process mm -hmm. and to let go of control. So the more I try to control yep. and resist, um, the harder it was. Um, it just either extended it longer <laughs> or uh, the lessons got deeper. Right. And I call that, uh, you know, the cosmic two mm -hmm. by four. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, forget it. Now, now if there's like even a tap, like a little twig, I'm like, I hear you. Right. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to make a change or I'm going to change a thought or a behavior or take a look at like what's going on in my life that I'm uh, these things are happening and I catch them so much earlier. So I can say that um, it's truly through the dark nights of the soul that actually where the majority, if not all of my um, expansion has come from. I, I, I can, I can say that this, the same for me. I recently experienced a mini dark night of the soul and I could feel the pain like in my body, oh, yeah. but I was also aware to know that, you know, one of my triggers or wounds was coming up um, that I had to deal with. And like you said, like I knew, okay, like if I feel this and deal with it, I'm, I'm going to, you know, elevate level up to the next level. So I think that was the first time you know, in my life that I actually just allowed myself to feel it and not try to distract myself with, you know, all the things we distract ourselves with. And it actually moved pretty quickly, like within two weeks, not like I was in that pain for two weeks, but within two weeks, it kind of moved away. And then I can, I felt like so much better. I, I love that because you felt what you needed to feel. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the, the, the mantras is like, you got to feel it to mm -hmm. heal it. And, and that's something you always say. I always I say too. that. And, uh, what, it, what else do they say? You got to name it to tame it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, and with all the positive psychology and uh, I call, you know, the toxic positivity, I do think positivity has its place, mm -hmm. but unless you can address underneath, and I was the queen of positivity. I was like, light love, uh, embrace everyone's beautiful nature. I see the, you know, the spirit in you. And I did all that. Um, and that's where, and I'm not saying it doesn't have its place, but when you are attracted to toxic people or when you are um, constantly looking at the positive of situations and not really addressing, like I wasn't addressing what was underneath all that, all that mm -hmm. gunk of For my sure. self-worth. And I was like, wait a minute. And I remember a therapist once said to me, you know, Tiffany, your spirituality is disserving you. Hmm. And I was, because? because I kept saying, well, they're a human, you know, that they're a spirit, they're a child of God. Like, let me, you know, 
you know, the, the more love I can give them, you know, I have to just trust that they're going to change. Mm. And yeah, yeah, no. no. So we can, so <laughs> I've learned like I can, I can be positive and loving and send out love, but it doesn't, and I can set my boundary. So it doesn't mean, although sometimes it's hard for me to stay loving, it doesn't mean that um, I'm not going to be loving, but I don't need that person in my life. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I was like you, I'm like, no, it's okay. Like, you know, like you said, it's a they child didn't of mean God it. and you they're, just keep making they're, excuses. They're wounded. That's people pleasing. That's right. So I was a people pleaser. So was I. Sometimes I was like, still can be, but you know, I was a, a positive people, toxic positivity, <laughs> people pleaser. Uh, and yeah, me too. I, you know, you don't want to upset a person because then you're going to look like you're bad. But then you're doing a disservice to yourself oh, by yeah. keeping these toxic people in situations, oh, yeah. you know, in, in, in our lives. Yeah. So now how would you say you handle difficult feelings? Because we're human, we're going to experience, <laughs> you know, good emotions, not so good emotions, and there's no right or wrong. But how do you move through the difficult feelings? So it depends on the difficult feeling. Um, If it's a trigger that I have been working on for a long time, when I'm feeling it'll be, I'll experience it more like discomfort. I was like, oh, hmm. like you reading my bio. I was like, hmm. okay, trigger I've been working on. So, you know, I can hear people like talk about like what I've done and I hear you. it's okay to take it in. So that was a trigger. I hear you. It was uncomfortable. I was able to move through it by breathing breathing helps and us. staying present <clears throat> and acknowledging within myself like tiff you have done those things yes. and can you just allow you to have this experience mm -hmm. the more difficult things uh the more difficult emotions uh i tend to get very upset uh still till this day i'm getting better uh around <laughs> like injustice mm -hmm. or if i see other human beings being hurt um i tend to be very vocal and cranky and so i will um either express it um by venting to a friend you know just kind of going off because that somehow <clears throat> i'm still it, it does um however it, it i could feel it in my body that it's like very intense so i'm trying to mitigate that but usually i'll vent um i'll write it out mm -hmm. um i'll um maybe write a, um, a, like a social media post or I'll write some kind of note or I'll journal about it and then it will diffuse it. So if, what, what it sounds like you do, if you, there's a few different things that you do is just kind of get it out of your body. Like with the breathing, it kind of, you blow, you know, not that you're blowing it out, but you're like you're releasing it with the writing, you're getting mm -hmm. it out. So, and I think that's important whenever we're feeling, you know, some way, yeah, we want to feel it and also find a few different ways to release it. And I think Tiffany kind of offered several great ways <clears throat> to help move through those feelings and release them. And if I'm feeling very emotionally <clears throat> dysregulated, that's where I'll uh, exercise. Like mm -hmm. I will go for a run or go for a walk. Um, that's because, a big one for me. Yeah, because uh, you say, well, Tiff, just meditate when I'm dealing with a difficult emotion. I'm like, mm, yeah, no, that's not a good one for me. I have to literally release it from my body and then I'll be able to shift the state, shift, shift it to a more mindful state. But one thing I absolutely do not do that I've done my whole life, which I don't 
I don't think I've done in the last 10 years, I will not negate my feeling. Yeah. If I'm pissed off, I acknowledge, okay, you're pissed off right now. Mm -hmm. Feel pissed. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling very sad right now. And I'm like, feel the sadness and feel it for as long as you need to feel it. If I'm grieving, grieve. Mm -hmm. um, so also with the difficult emotions is I absolutely do not ignore them um, as I did mm -hmm. most of my life. And I appreciate you for something that you taught me because I'm I'm really quick to like, when I feel it, okay, I felt it and I wanna move on. And you've taught me like, no, 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 go back. It's okay. Like you can sit with your grief or your sadness or you're pissed off, like sit with it. You don't have to sh get rid of it so quickly. Cause um, you know, I like to move to a higher state but then that's not, doesn't benefit me because then it comes back. So I appreciate you teaching me like to just really honor it and sit with it a little bit longer than I'd like. Just, just a little bit. And that's something I do with my clients. Like what, what would it be like to just sit in your pain? And I read somewhere, I don't know from who they said, if you sit with it for 90 seconds, I think it was Gabby Bernstein. If you sit with it for 90 seconds, just sit with it and feel it. Next thing you know, it'll, it'll start, you know, moving through you. So I should try that next time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I don't, 90 seconds, an hour, six hours, you know, I don't know. Um, it really just depends on the person, but difficult emotions are an indicator. And I've always said this, like mm -hmm. they're an indicator that something is not in alignment for sure within you, within your life, within. And so we tend to, um, invalidate negative emotions for whatever reason. Like I know I came from a, a culture where our um, our emotional range was very limited. You couldn't be too happy. You couldn't be right. too sad. You couldn't be too that angry. Was it was like, confusing. Yeah. You just had to like <laughs> the emotional range was like about like this. And so it took me, I had to feel some pretty extreme emotions on both sides in order for me to find a middle, a middle ground to say, oh, okay, it's okay to feel this angry. Yes. It's like giving myself permission to feel that angry. Mm -hmm. And I do that um, in, in all my clinical work where just sit with it. Now, do we stew in it? Do we, do that's we let difference. it ruminate? That's the difference. No, right there. Uh, I, that's not how I, I'm not everyone's cup of tea as a counselor. I'm like, okay, we'll sit in it. But if there's like this right rumination or this, um, this idea of that I am a victim mm -hmm. to these circumstances. Right. And, and yes, in some cases, uh, horrible things have happened For to sure. people and say, okay, yes, but how can we move to a place of empowerment? And it's really in those difficult emotions that we're able to move through to a place because what is it? You can't get to the light until you embrace the shadow. Mm. That's I, true. I can't remember who said that. That's true. Yeah. And so that's, 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 I think how I've gone through it yeah. and support. I think oh, support God, is, huge. A, you know, just having my tribe of, of folks that I go to, to help me process uh, what I may be experiencing. And then of course I do everything from Reiki energy mm -hmm. work, <laughs> uh, you name it. I, you know, Ditto. probably done it. <laughs> Ditto. And I think um, for me, as I look back now, one of the most um, important things for me on my journey, as Tiffany mentioned, was the support. Um, but it's funny, early on in life, I didn't see it that way. Or, you know, when I was a teenager or in my 20s, because it was a, 
in my mind, I was conditioned to believe if you sought help or support, you were weak. But in reality, it's very important. I think that's number one thing. If you're going through a dark night of the soul or struggling with something, the most important thing is find support. And of course, you know, be discerning and you want to feel safe with it, but there's nothing wrong with, you know, reaching out and saying, Hey, I don't feel good or I need some support. That's right. And, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a clinician. It could no. be a, a spiritual um, person. It could be um, a, a, a religious, you know, anything that calls to mm -hmm. you to get that, that support. For but sure. I think where do we usually go when we're feeling crappy? We'll go to the food. We'll go yep. to the addictive behavior. We'll go to, we'll call That's that true. sweetie that you really shouldn't be calling, right? Because you're trying to, or retail therapy mm -hmm. or gambling or drugs or alcohol, because you're, you're feeling that pain. You don't want to feel it. You're uncomfortable. And let me mask it right. with all these other right. things and distractions. And I think the beautiful thing about COVID has it really got people, no distractions to like really dive within. For and sure. I've done some of the most incredible clinical work during this, this, uh, time because it really gave folks an opportunity where am i at in my mm -hmm. life and it's been Absolutely. amazing yes yes that could be a whole nother podcast girl. absolutely yes girl i could That's, i could talk about that forever i love that well we'll have you on again because i would love to cover that topic mm -hmm. so how do you give yourself permission to kind of let go of those toxic relationships that you talked about um, how do I give myself permission? Uh, in the past, to be honest, it was like, there was no, per it was like, they reached a point where it was just so egregious and so toxic that I had to save myself, um, mm -hmm. whether I lost every dime I had, whether, um, I was so depressed. Um, I couldn't like the achiness in my bones. Um, I just couldn't, I couldn't function. I, I felt uh, lifeless, where I was like, okay, are you going to let this go now? Are you going to just let it go? Um, um, I think now I have to say, I don't have toxic relationships in my life. Um, I'm very grateful because I've pretty much like have let go of all the relationships that drained me. Mm -hmm. um, so, but how do I give myself permission was really to always put myself first to True. say, okay, where are you at in this? Are you getting, um, is it a reciprocity? Mm -hmm. Is it a one-way relationship? Um, it, it truly is, it's not only giving myself permission, but finding acceptance that that relationship is just not in alignment with where I'm at or finding acceptance that that individual's limitations, mm -hmm. no matter how much love or no matter how much I give is they're just limited. Yeah. And can I find acceptance around their limitations and then move on? Now, if they're a parent or, you know, someone that you, again, it's finding acceptance and healthy boundaries. Yep, boundaries are huge. Right, so, um, but it's really about going within, where is, where am I in alignment with mm -hmm. that negative energy? Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. there's a match there. For sure. What am I, what, what is happening within me that I'm tolerating that? So, um, giving myself permission, but it's more self-reflection, 
being honest with myself, taking accountability, responsibility. And sometimes mm -hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm engaging in that for because sure. I want to let it go yet. You know? I, yeah. I could relate to that. Like yeah. I had to take accountability and like, okay, why do I keep attracting these situations, you know, into my life? And it went back for me, it went back to the people pleasing. Like I wanted to be accepted and loved and I wanted the relationship to work. So I would give and give and give and then it, I would be, you know, depleted. It wasn't a, a two-way street. It was always a one-way street. And same thing. Um, I remember I was in therapy and she looked at me, she said, you've been coming here for the same thing for 20 odd years. And she said, you have a decision to make. And that decision is you are either going to choose yourself, save yourself, or you're going to perish in this people-pleasing um, toxicity. And I'll never forget that because I went home and I finally made the decision to choose myself. Now it wasn't easy. No, it's it's typically uncomfortable. And I was shunned. Yeah. Oh, of course you were shunned. But um, <laughs> I, you know, I feel like I, you know, I, you know, having lost my mom when she was fifty, I feel that that's that therapist in that moment, you know, saved my life because she gave me a choice: either you stay in the toxicity and you drown, you mm -hmm. kill yourself, or you choose yourself and you live that's and your right. family, like. I, I, I was a mom and a wife. That's right. And a question I always ask myself, like, okay, Tiff, what are you willing to risk to stay in this negative thought pattern or, or behavior that's not serving you or in this relationship that um, completely drains you? Like, what are you willing to risk? What's your, what's your bottom line? Mm -hmm. And I, I think as time has gone on and as I've gotten healthier and as, and as I've let go of a lot of these relationships. Um, I'm not willing to risk anything for my joy, my mm -hmm. happiness, my peace. So pretty much, I would say everyone in my life knows I'm going to put myself first. Mm -hmm. um, at this point, I'm not willing to compromise any of my inner peace for anything or anyone. I agree. I just won't do that. I agree. I agree. And what I found when I do that, at first I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to choose me. That's so selfish. Like who does that? But then as I started to practice it, what I noticed was I felt more joy. When I felt more joy, I had more space. And when I had more space and energy, then I gave because I like I had the energy. It wasn't like I'm giving for you to like me. I'm giving because I, I want to do this. That's right. Yeah. So I love it. Wasn't it uh, Marianne Williamson in A Return to Love when she talks about being self Full. Yes. That is women. I love that word that yeah, you used. Right. Soulful. Well, she used it. I was just like really thinking about like every time I'm doing something for myself, it's self full, yes. even though I was conditioned to believe that it was being selfish. Right. And just like your experience, mm -hmm. I totally found the same thing. Mm -hmm. I had more capacity to love. Yeah. I had more capacity to give. I had more capacity to nurture. And the more I filled myself, the more I was able to do the work that I do and yep. give to the people in my life in ways that I feel are meaningful and grounded, healthy and connected. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's coming that, from that place. That's freedom, girl. It's freedom. I mean, absolutely. I never in my lifetime thought I could feel free. Mm -hmm. And um, it's the greatest, you know, emotion I feel for me is freedom, the joy. It's, it's priceless. It is priceless. So what would you say is one of your greatest accomplishments or if you want to share more than one? I, 
I think one of my greatest accomplishments, I have to say, and I know this might sound so cliche, but it is raising my daughter. That is not cliche. I, you know, it's like, oh, my child. Um, raising her, even, even though I'm a divorced woman, um, I had such a huge community around me helping me um, raise her, but which I'm so grateful for. It's like, it's so hard. It's like to do it alone. Mm -hmm. It's just not, um, I mean, you could, but it's, it's so much better when you have support around exactly, you. Exactly. Like we talked about earlier. Yes. Um, raising her, uh, the reason why it's one of my greatest accomplishments, because for me, I was able to raise her connected. I was able, meaning grounded, teaching her meditation tools, uh, teaching her that her feelings are okay. Um, empowering her to be who she is and really giving space because I had a lot of cultural mess. Like she was a uh, rambunctious little girl and like was just running around and playing and having fun. And, and there was some cultural stuff that I was like, oh my gosh, her hair's not perfect. Oh my gosh, her clothes aren't like, you know, perfect. That ah, image. That image. And I, and that was one of my greatest accomplishments because I was like, oh my gosh, I was able to clear all that perfectionism to clear like letting her pick out her clothes and being, you know, miss me. And it was because when I see her now and she's in her power, she's in her, it's not to say she doesn't struggle, but she moves through it. And I thought I raised, um, I'm raising, cause I'm still a human being who, um, is in her power, yes. who doesn't, who I'm mindful of how she moves in the world. She's mindful about being kind to others. And then if she's not kind to call herself on her own stuff. Like mm -hmm. I just raised a really cool person. And I thought, that's pretty great. Yeah, You went through amazing. multiple night, dark nights of the soul and she's still functioning. Great job, Tiff. Great Girl, job. <laughs> that's, that's, I think I've mentioned this before, but I, that's not cliche at all. I think, you know, for me too, um, one of my greatest accomplishments is, is seeing, you know, my boys and, um, and that was one of the reasons like I, I made the decision that I, I made to break, you know, to um, break cycles and choose me for, for my boys. Yes. And now when I see them, like if I never, ever accomplished anything again in my life, like that was the greatest accomplishment. So I could, yeah. So yeah. we're breaking cycles, girl. Breaking the generational yes, yes. cycles. I love it. So tell us something about yourself that's fun that many of us may not know or don't know at all. Yes. You're putting me on the spot, Grace. <laughs> uh, something that people don't know about or may not know. Uh, I absolutely loved musical theater, singing, uh, karaoke. Uh, musical theater was my passion. Yeah. Oh, that's why I saw the karaoke, uh, the carpool karaoke over there. Uh, listen, I absolutely, I, I had dreams of being like on Broadway. That was, you know, growing up, uh, as, as much as I wanted to be a teacher, I think I wanted to be um, in theater. I loved being in the theater. I still love being in the theater, um, singing musical theater. I love it. Yeah, Broadway yeah. stuff. Yeah. So you, it's so I'm, fun. It is fun. And dynamic. It is. You could be whoever you want. Yeah. So, uh, and then uh, character voice 
I'm super silly. I, I don't know how people, if they know, like I'm like really silly and embracing just being goofy and like voices and I love it. characters and things like that. So, so you bring an element of fun to your life and to the people you touch. And I bring it into the, the therapy room too, because I think humor does have its place. Um, and it's not to negate or minimize someone's experience, but bringing in that lightness, mm -hmm. bringing in um, that it, it lightness doesn't mean ignoring. Right. It's just you're, you're saying sometimes life can be so tragic oh. and so ridiculous that you just laugh. For like, sure. It's just crazy. For sure. So, yeah. So I think um, those aspects of myself. Uh, I will be back into musical theater. I know that. I can't wait. Once, yeah, when when things are open, local theater. How fun! Yeah, stay tuned. Yeah, we'll that, come that's, that's definitely on my bucket list. <laughs> yeah, it. I'll let you guys know. All right. So, if our audience would like to get in touch with you, where they can, where can they reach you? Yeah, sure. If anyone um, is looking for uh, guidance on any um, uh, mental health, or maybe some guidance on maybe if you're thinking about therapy, or if you want some direction around the process, I'll be more than happy to um, to talk to you about that. Um, so you could reach me at Tiffany, T-I-F-F-A-N-Y, Tota, T-O-T-A-H, M as in Mary, F as in Frank, T as in Tom, at gmail.com. Feel free to email me and I will do whatever I can to help guide in whatever direction you feel is needed or for um, family members um, as well. Thank you so much. Chris, that was so you. fun. I oh could have stayed God. here with you for hours. Oh my gosh, that was fun. Thank you <laughs> so much. I look forward Grace. to having you on again because there are so much that oh, we can thank cover. You, Grace. Yeah, I appreciate sure. it. Thank you. It. And thank you to everyone who's listening yeah. in. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for joining us today on Real Talk. We're very grateful for you and look forward to connecting with you again the next time. Until then, keep creating your fun and fabulous. Take care. Hey love, thank you so much for listening today. I am so grateful for you. I'd like to show you my appreciation by gifting you a free forgiveness self-hypnosis audio download. Part of living the fun and fabulous life is practicing forgiveness. Forgiveness can be such a long and challenging process. My intention is that this forgiveness audio will help you in practicing forgiveness, especially with yourself. Grab it by visiting daretoachieve.com backslash forgiveness. For more inspiring tips, make sure to connect with me on social media. Drop me a line on Facebook or Instagram at Grace Redmond Dare to Achieve. Until next time, keep moving forward towards living your fabulous life.